Hello and welcome to episode 117 of the NFL Scotland podcast. Another fascinating week of action as some of the trends are starting to become clear. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. There was more controversy than the NFL Scotland power rankings, let me tell you. As we saw upsets, dodgy calls and yet more injuries, we're looking back at all the action. Yes, and isn't it nice to sit here with a winning record, Paul? Two and one feels absolutely brilliant. Uh, yeah, you've changed your tune, haven't you? Oh, you, you face face some really tough opposition. You know, the New York Jets and the New York Giants. Oh, my goodness me. The Pee Wee Bears would be 2-0 against that lot. Peace, peace. Listen, this is the only time for the rest of the season I reckon, we'll one, we'll have a winning record, and two, have a better record than the Saints. So I'm milking it. Week three, it's getting milked. Um, yeah, my... Very surprised by the the overall manner in which it was achieved as well. But we'll come to that. We'll come to that. There's lots to cover before we get there. Let's walk back through the week three action. Um, and let's touch very quickly on the Thursday night football because it was an impressive performance from the Dolphins. It was. You know, Fitzpatrick is that kind of guy. You wouldn't want him as your starter every week, but he's capable of winning almost every game he goes into play. And that must be the most frustrating things for Miami fans, especially if you are hoping that Fitz would tank for Tua for you. You know, he's going to give you enough to stay hanging around there. He's not the kind of guy I think that's going to get, um, you know, simply dragged out of there because he's playing badly. They're going to have to make a decision at some point what they want to do and when they want to see Tua. Because Ryan Fitzpatrick, I just love his swagger. He just, he is the classic guy. As a sportsman, he has that brilliant thing. He has a mentality that A, believes in himself and B, if he's made a mistake, hey, that's gone, I'm going again. His short-term memory is tremendous and it, it just makes for a good quarterback. Yeah, he's, it's... I do find myself just rooting for him. Um, and, you know, that's that's the first time that the Dolphins have won by 10 points or more since week 13 of the 2017 season. So the Dolphins have had a ruffled time. Now, it's a win over the Jags, but the Jags have had a bit more about them this season than I was anticipating. So, actually, this looks like a good win. Now, the Jags season may now plummet from here. I wrote off the Jets after week one, and you talked about this last week. I've not changed my mind, if anything. I think they've only proven me right. Um, but I, I'm struggling to find another team, and I don't want to find another team, but they're not even the Jags. I'm not even ready to write the Jags off yet because they've shown character. Minshew's shown some capability. They ran the Titans close. They had a really good week one performance. Um, and fine, it wasn't brilliant against the Dolphins, but... Um, on the short week, they get to come back uh, uh, and, and collect their thoughts ahead of week four. So not ready to write them off yet, but very good from the Dolphins' point of view. Let's move into the headlines from Sunday. And we got a start in the NFC South. And we got a start with an opportunity for you to absolutely stick the oar in and give it to them. Because the Atlanta Falcons, once again, at one point, I believe, with a 98% chance of winning the game have somehow managed to start the season 0-3 for the first time since 2007. But it's not the fact that they're just 0-3, Paul. It's the manner in which they're 0-3 that is just absolutely stinking. It's incredible. I mean, they are a statistician's wet dream (laughs) at the moment, the Atlanta Falcons. Now, I would take more pleasure out of this if the Saints had won at the weekend, but they didn't. So I accept that our Atlanta Falcons fans, listeners, uh, will think it's pop kettle and black. However, you cannot do what they did. Once, fair enough. Twice, and back-to-back weeks. I mean, taxi for Quinn. I mean, they're right on the edge here. I mean, I I defended them. If you remember, I defended them in in our podcast this year, saying, you know, he had a great record. I think they won seven of eight at the tail last season. You know, they became quite a strong team. They they stuck it to the Saints. They stuck it to the 49ers. But it's all come crumbling down again. They've come back to the mean. And what, what was Matt Ryan thinking on that last drive? He didn't need... I thought the clock management was terrible. They had three timeouts they should have taken. You know, a quick timeout, settled things down. They were going down the field nicely. I mean, he was 19 of 38. Now, Matt Ryan will give you yards, he'll give you chunks of yards, but 19 of 38 is simply not good enough from a Matt Ryan point of view. But, I mean, the Falcons had the ball five times in the fourth quarter, Cameron. A number of points, zero. 
that will get coaches fired. Simple as that. Uh, and you got to think that he, he's not far away from being in that position. Thankfully for Dan Quinn, there's another head coach who's much more in the firing line. We'll come on to that. But I think that, you know, the Falcons just were absolutely... Uh, they're just blowing it. If at the start of the season you'd said to them, do you know what, you, you lose to the Seahawks, you narrowly lose to the Cowboys, and you narrowly lose to the Bears, they would be gutted but they wouldn't be as gutted as they are now, having done it in the manner in which they've done it. The Seahawks game, you can forget that because they are absolutely hot and on form. Russell Wilson is slinging that ball like a mofo, and my goodness me, he's on hot streak. Um, this comes as no surprise to me. I, I say this all the time. He is one of the absolute best. Um, but I think that it's the manner in which it's been done. You know, the Bears obviously had Trubisky. So the Bears were stinking so bad, they pulled the man who they were standing behind as their starting quarterback. They put in Nick Foles, who incidentally went straight on and had an instant impact. Oh, shocker, Rudy, who saw that coming? Um, you know, I'm not sure that Foles is necessarily number one quarterback for Chicago in the long term, but good God, he's a step up on Mitch Trubisky, who I don't think we'll see again unless Foles, one, gets injured, or two, really falls off a cliff. Um, this, for me, is now Nick Foles' team. Obviously, he's been named the starter for this weekend. That's not a surprise. Uh, it's the right call to make and I think that now the Bears need to find out what they do under him they've lost Cohen to injury looks like he's out for the season another player goes down um, you know we've lost so many high profile players this season already which is gutting from an entertainment point of view but it's brilliant from that next man up point of view uh, and David Montgomery is the guy who can benefit from that as the sole back there the lead guy hopefully see more of the ball hopefully see uh, working with a quarterback who can work better at reading the plays in front of him, which I think is something that Mitch Trubisky didn't have, that Foles has got the experience, he can read that. Um, obviously, um, that whole Chip Kelly offense that he played under, moving fast, moving at pace, read option, all that kind of stuff is what Foles can do. And I think David Montgomery is a player who can massively benefit from that. So if you're a Bears fan as well, you're coming into this going, hang on, how are we three? You know, what the hell? Um Brilliant, you know, an undefeated team this early in the season. I'm not sure it'll last much longer, but brilliant for them. You know, a turn up for the books for sure. It's the best of both worlds. I mean, if you were to script the start of the season for the Bears, if you'd said to Matt Nagy, look, you're going to be 3-0 and and you're going to have your choice at quarterback, at quarterback, with no controversy whatsoever, he would have went, absolutely. This is what he has engineered. It has been absolutely perfect. Mitch Trubisky was given his chance, which everybody thought he should get because he knew the offence. The game he gets pulled in because he's playing badly, that's fine. Throwing throw the new guy, Nick Folds, he comes in, basically says, bang, 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 the job's mine, and it's perfect. I mean, Trubisky will have to leave Chicago and get a new start. Now, we've seen that work for other quarterbacks, and I hope it works somewhere for him. But I think the time in Chicago, uh, he's done, and he probably needs to go to somewhere that's a slightly easier media market. Um, you know, you don't really want to be in Chicago if you're not playing well. You don't want to be in uh, Philadelphia, and we'll come on to them. I mean, Philadelphia chose Carson Wentz, and, you know... Vince ain't looking particularly good either at the moment, it has to be said. So, I mean, if I, let, let's transition to that game. I mean, what on earth? I mean, they're playing the Bengals. You know, you've, you then go to overtime. You've not played particularly well. And you've got a chance for a field goal. Now, you get moved back on the penalty. There's still a little bit of time. And what I hated about this is Doug Peterson came out on Monday as the Monday morning quarterback and said, we should have gone for it. Well, I'm sorry, pal, you had the decision to make. Show a bit of leadership here. Either say, I'm sorry, I would do that again, or you're now going to make your players doubt you at the crunch time of every game you play. Yeah, totally. And I think that even the screw-ups on their sides, obviously Matt Pryor had the false start penalty that meant that Jake Elliott had to move further back, and that's what made them change their mind. Um, it just was, yeah... It just was lackluster. And here's an interesting stat for you. We've already touched on Russell Wilson and the fact that he's on hot form. And Carson Vence is throwing, I think, two interceptions for three games in a row, which is just, you know, that's Jameis Winston-level stuff. Um, but now, this is one of these things I've seen on social media. So that's the little caveat. I've seen this on social media, so it might be utter bollocks. But I've seen it said enough places that I think it's true. Uh, Russell Wilson could throw 46 interceptions on his next 46 pass attempts and still have a better QB rating for the season 
than Carson Vance. <laughs> I think that oh. is quite the statistic, um, and it made me laugh. <laughs> I mean, credit Carson Wentz. I mean, he got the touchdown late in the game to send it to overtime. But I mean, that, that's like you know taking credit for saving yourself from drowning when you've thrown yourself into the pool. You know, it's not really all that heroic from that point of view. Would you have gone for the kick even just a few further yards? I mean, 64 yards is, out, is outrageous, but why not? Yeah. I mean, you just say to the boy, well, yeah. it. And Jake Elliott's a good kicker. So, uh, do you know, it's one of those ones as well, because it's so late in the game that it really didn't give the Bengals much of an opportunity. By punting away, you had zero opportunity. You had zero opportunity to win that game. Oh, sorry, 1% because they might have spilled it and somehow you got yeah. super lucky. I Yeah, I would have kicked it. Hangtight is a wonderful thing, but I would have kicked it because it's so late. There's so little time to do anything about it. You've got to go for it. And that one at the end, that 0-2-1 is worthless. Against the Bengals, you know, it's just pointless. Um, and actually, it, it's an interesting one because this is a bum division, right? And we'll, we'll probably come on to this in a little bit as well. And this is why I'm not even willing to write off the Giants season yet because that division is so bad that seven wins is going to see you in the play, uh, potentially winning that division in the playoffs. Um, I mean, it's Dallas's to yeah. lose for me. I mean, they, they've got the most talent of anybody. Now, Peterson said, look, you know, it keeps us in touch and it, perhaps it's the divisional thing that he was looking at because that tie may actually give them the division further down yeah. the line. Yeah. So, you know, you could say, but then again, so so could the win. Um, yeah. Roll the dice, you know. I mean, we, you know, kicks when you see kickers kicking from sort of 55 yards plus, okay, sometimes they just drop over the crossbar, but other times they just give it that absolute welly and they clear it by four, five, six yards. So trust the guy, you know, go for it. Yeah. Now, it's one of those ones, you know, the, the, the Eagles for me as well, there's, there's obviously a lot of injuries there again. Dallas Godert's gone down. There's such a heavy dependency on Zach Ertz. Uh, and, you know, I, Anyone listening to this that knows I'm a 49ers fan knows fine well that you could point the exact same finger at us. And of course, you can. Yeah. Um, there is a dependency. He's a quality receiver, and so is Dallas Goddard. So the the problem there is if that, that option's not available or that's not working, there's not necessarily an awful lot to lean back on. Now, I'm very aware as well that the Niners are about to face the Eagles, and I will immediately go, oh, well, we're not going to win that one. I've already highlighted that I think this is the last time we'll have a winning record. We are banged up, and we are playing a second-string team pretty much, uh, and the, the fact that we managed to get such a convincing win over the Giants is quite something. But, you know, you look at that game, and we we were ahead, but it was pretty close in the first half. It was really as the game went on that the Niners kind of got into their groove, and it was kind of junk time points more than anything else. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not going into that Eagles game super confident because I know that Carson Vence is more than capable of being a great quarterback and there's enough talent there for the Eagles to be a massive threat. So they need to get themselves shook and they need to get themselves into the right mindset and they need to come into it with a new approach if they're going to turn around their season because if they go for 0 and 5 then there's there's no coming back from that you know i think that's that's too much of a reach to them to win enough to win even this sort of crappy division um but it's definitely an interesting challenge for the eagles ahead for sure that kind of segues us into uh the the niners game i guess which for me i think the most impressive thing was the performance of nick mullins I was highly impressed. Now, I think that, you know, you look at some of the stat leaders for the week and, okay, he's not going to be massively up there, but he's, the, you know, the third highest um, receiving yards of all the quarterbacks. 343 yards, one touchdown, two sacks, a QB rating of 108.9, you know, 25 uh, completions for 36 attempts. That's decent. You know, you look at number four is Justin Herbert <laughs> underneath that as well, and he obviously lost. But um, I think it's a, a very solid stand-up performance from a, a backup quarterback. And I think that other than Jameis Winston, he's probably the best backup quarterback in the in the, in the the whole of the NFL. Obviously, Jameis is number one in that particular slot. Because Taysom Hill now, 
falling down the pecking order with that horrific foot. I mean, just giving the ball away. But um, don't worry, we'll come to that. Um, we shall, we shall. <laughs> uh, but I thought that Mullins looked really good. He looked really composed. I thought the Niners did well. I thought Brandon Ayuk looks as though he's going to be a threat, which is brilliant to see. Jarek McKinnon, although he's now bloody questionable. Jordan Reed's injured, so I, I, I'm not desperate for us to see the MetLife Stadium again anytime soon. Um, but we went in there, we came away with two wins. Uh, we're now in a 2-1 and one record, along with two other teams in that NFC West, which is saying an awful lot, because given the way that things went in the first game, I was a little bit wearing. Given all the injuries out the second game, I was definitely worried going into the Giants. I put the Giants to beat us, because I thought, they've lost Barkley, but they've got enough talent there to be a threat. And they just weren't. They just weren't. Yeah, I mean, you should have picked up some insurance. The key is in the title, Met Life, but... <laughs> What, what interested me in that game, and, and I think it's the stat that is the most telling, is the number of trips that the Giants took to the red zone. Zero. That's hard to do, Cameron. You know, it's seriously hard to do. I mean, Daniel Jones I like, but, you know, he lost two of the three fumbles. But how the hell can you not, on a team that is as banged up as the Giants, at least hit the red so, zone? That is appalling. Yeah. And Lawrence Tynes put out a tweet. The, earlier this week as well, basically saying that, you know, Daniel Jones is a franchise quarterback in his eyes. He doesn't yes. have the talent around him to do anything about it. And he was like, he put a, a, a tweet out saying, you know, at no point did Eli Manning have such a lack of options on offense uh, during his time. Now, obviously, Devonta Freeman's come in there. It'll be interesting to see if he can get up to speed. Uh, if he can find any of the form, he could be a good running back. He's no Barkley, absolutely not. But he's... It, if they can find some of the form he had, he's definitely a good enough running back that he can be a threat on the ground. They need to get some options out wide, though. Evan Engram needs to get into his groove. And I think that they need to get uh, Shepard and Slayton and Tate fit and healthy and 100% uh, and, and protect uh, Daniel Jones and give Daniel Jones the time to find his receivers. There's, a, there's definitely a lot of problems, I would say, in New York. Um, and that's on both sides of the New York divide as well. Absolutely. But I've got a picture in my mind that, that I will share with the NFL Scotland podcast listeners of a Sunday afternoon, big 60-inch television, you know, a Patrick Mahomes memorial television, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> sitting there. Region. Cooler at the feet of, of the recliner and Eli Manning just very casually slipping the left hand down, grabbing a Bud Light or a Miller Light, you know, pink with a little top and just having a little... You know, nice, long, cool drink as he watches the Giants get absolutely hoarse. <laughs> now, I know he's probably too nice to admit something like that, but he got out of there at the right yes, time. Yes, he absolutely did. But let's stay in New York as well, because we're going to have to flip this over. And there's an old Scottish saying, Paul. It doesn't really exist anymore. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Herkel Durkle. Have you ever heard the term Herkel Durkle? Uh, I'm sure I dated her sister, but... <laughs> Herkel Durkle is not the tight end coming out of Old Miss this year. No, it's an old Scottish term for lounging around in your bed for longer than you should. Uh, and this is what I think fell foul of Sam Darnold on Sunday. I think he had a bit of a Herkel Durkle himself. He obviously didn't get up early enough and he threw a pick six on his first position and basically screwed the Jets right from the off against a Colts team that's very much on the up. Um... Much like the week before against the Niners, a couple of moments of flashes of quality from Darnold. He is a very capable quarterback. For me, he is not the problem. Um, the problem is the head coach. The head coach is a moron. Uh, he's terrible. He's Come, come off the fence, for goodness honest, sake. He's, he stinks so bad. I can't understand how he's remaining in this job. This is like one of the weirdest things. He's got photos on somebody. I can, he must have photos on somebody or a tape somewhere with something incriminating because it just doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um, it's just, I don't understand it. But anyway, there seems to be chat that if he doesn't beat the Broncos, uh, who are now using their eighth quarterback or something like that, um, if they don't beat the Broncos on Thursday night football, he's going to get the sack. This seems to be the murmurings through the sources. That immediately makes the game much more interesting because that game was like a, uh, you know, who's sitting up to watch that one? Nabdy. And I'm still not going to sit up and watch it, but what I'll do is get up in the morning on Friday and watch it and actually watch it and see what happens and watch the behaviour of Adam Gase on the sidelines. Um, 
the thing is, I think the Jets do have enough quality, and given that the, the, the Broncos have a banged-up team themselves, the Jets might well win that. And that's the sort of thing that Adam Gase will probably do and just somehow buy himself more time. I think if Adam Gase does stay, I'm starting to worry about my burger bet with uh, Gordon because I think that that's what Gase will do is he'll chuck Darnold under the bus because he'll try and stick onto his own career and he'll put Flacco in. And I don't think Flacco will do any better. So I, I definitely don't think Darnold's the issue. But that was, that was a bad, bad performance from them. See, the thing is, I mean, if, if, if you were to throw Darnold under the bus, that would happen. If you tried to get Darnold to dive under voluntarily, he'd miss. Um, what I like about <laughs> the Jets is that they do have some talent somewhere. But, I mean, the bottom line is the coach defence outscored the Jets at the weekend. Simple as that. Now, I've, I've told you before, I think Greg Williams is going to be head coach of the, the Jets in the next couple of weeks. I still think he would have done a better job in Cleveland than, than all the switching about in Freddie Kitchen. Now, I know some people don't like Greg Williams. He is a bit aggressive. He is a bit up. But I think he learned so much from his time as a head coach, which didn't go well in Buffalo, to the, when he go, took over in Cleveland. I would have left him alone. I think he can make a slight difference because he'll change the tone. I don't know what it is about Adam Gase. Now, Adam Gase is obviously a clever guy, a talented guy. You don't get to be an NFL head coach if you're, if you're not these things. But perhaps he's just a better coordinator. And that's no bad thing. We've seen many a person come along, not be able to do the top job to the best of their ability. It just doesn't work. So you move on and go and be a coordinator somewhere. But as I say, the Colts... D outscored the Jets. The Colts took Philip Rivers out of the game, you know, to, to kick him back and relax. Sam Darnold has, has got all the poise of somebody, you know, skating on ice with soap strapped to their feet. It just it ain't happening for them. I and mean, they need a change of voice. They need a change of tone. Probably simplify the playbook as well. Wouldn't, wouldn't go amiss. But, I mean, it's hard to say, you know, if, if you were a Giants fan and you had a half-decent team, you could be taking the piss out of the Jets at the moment. But, the, you know, there is no great bragging rights in New York. The team from upper New York is the one that's doing it, and that's that's the Buffalo Bills. So, what an ending to the game that was. And, I mean, the Bills were falcon-like in the way they tried to throw that. Yeah, one. definitely. Um, Josh Allen, 300 pounds. 300 plus pass yards in three straight games the first Buffalo Bills quarterback to do that since Jim Kelly so you know that's a name that the Buffalo Bills fans will be happy to hear Josh Allen being compared to um he has really stepped up and I think that Josh Allen is looking very exciting he's 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 exciting to watch and yeah do you know what the Rams showed character the Rams are way better than I anticipated this year and I think that you know they've managed to find a ground game without Gurley actually possibly Gurley going away may have made the ground game better that offensive line's doing a really good job Cooper Cup was back to being in form as well finding the separation that he was so good at last year that he maybe had been struggling to do in the first two games um and it showed real character from the Rams to come back into this. But then it showed great character from the Bills to go down the field and do what they did. And okay, fine. Do you know what? We can go into the the pass interference call, which was a nonsense, to be perfectly honest. There's no way. I, I, I didn't agree with that one at all. Um, but they got lucky with that. But, you know, Josh Allen put them into a position where they were able to get that. And that's half the battle. I thought he looked really, really good. Um, I think that the Bills are rightly allowed to be excited about it. Um, and, you know, Jared Goff is the other one that's looking really good as well. 23 for 32, 321 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, two sacks. You know, one interception, two sacks against a very good Buffalo defense. But 111.6 quarterback rating. It's a really good performance from Jared Goff out of the weekend. So I think there's a lot there to be excited about if you're a Rams fan. And I think that, you know, they're, they're very much in contention this season to be a threat. My problem with the Rams was you can't give up a third and 22, not when you're in prevent. I mean, that 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 is just utterly ridiculous. The pass interference, he rode the boy for, what, six or seven yards before he got separation. So I think by the book it was the correct call, but it's the kind of call before the Rams fans get on at me. It's the kind of call that you don't want going against your team because you do see it as soft. So I do see both sides, but delighted the, the Rams got screwed by it. However... Um, you, you mentioned those stats. You know, if you look at Josh Allen, 
fourth quarterback in NFL history to win each team's first three games of a season to have a thousand pass yards, at least ten passing touchdowns over those three games. You mentioned Jim Kelly, the other two Manning with the Broncos twenty thirteen, Patrick Mahomes for the Chiefs in twenty nineteen, all went to the Super Bowl that year. Mm-hmm. I'm, now I'm not saying that's going to happen with Josh Allen. Uh, I, I went through. Um, during that game um, to get another beer and I got hit on the side of the head with a ball so you know he just slightly overthrowed his receiver now he's, he's used to that you know he has got a cannon of yeah. an arm he just needs to rein it in and I think that victory of and that certainly that third and 22 um, done him the power of good uh, yes they got lucky with the PI call but that is that is going to happen I think there's a lot to be said for the Rams as well I still hate their logo um, and they need to, you know, the the LA Trumps, as I keep calling them. Uh, <laughs> let, let's stay in Los Angeles, though, and let's pick up two points, because we, we like to look at the less serious side as well as the serious side. And I know this annoyed you with the Chargers at the weekend. What the hell are they doing with the best uniforms in the league and the color combinations they're wearing? They're, they're, they're blowing that. They are absolutely blowing it. I, I, I... I totally agree. They have the best combos. They have got some lovely colours in there, and I think the uniforms are tremendous, and they're screwing it up. I don't understand why. (laughs) Yeah, just crap. Just it, honestly, it's like they're doing a tombola, right? We'll put into the tombola. Tick, 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 tick. Which jersey is it? It's white. And which pants will be wearing? Yellow. And now the socks, blue. No, we like solidarity and unity across the colours. I think that they, um, yeah, they're shafting that one. Yeah, so so let's talk about the play. Now, apparently the, the final, well, what, what was the final big play? It was two years in the making. You get the throw, yeah, Alan catches it, passes it on, and Eckler's supposed to go in. Now, that ball to me, Cameron, was catchable. I don't know what your first thought when you saw it, but I just groaned because, I mean, I, I didn't have a horse in the race. You know, I, I don't care who wins, who loses, but you want to see plays like that rewarded. And and as Eckler said, it hit his hands. He should have caught it and gone in. But people brain fart in sport. Was that a brain fart for you or was that just a, a really awful mistake? Oh, just a bad mistake on Eckler's part. I think that it was catchable. I thought it was a really nice design. Uh, he was, I think if he, if he catches that, he's in. Uh, and you look at the way that the movement is on the line. Now, it's not a guaranteed thing that he's in, but I think, you know, the, the sort of player that he is, he's definitely making it in. The Chargers come away with a win. Justin Herbert leads his team down the field at the end of the game and comes away with a victory. In the end, this is two hard luck stories for Justin Herbert out of two games. I think that he's shown an awful lot to be excited about if you're a Chargers fan for a rookie quarterback who wasn't expecting to be starting yet. And I think that's the key thing to remember there. Um, you know, and you look at his stats for the day, 35 for 49, 330 yards, one touchdown, one interception, two sacks, one fumble, not great, passer rating of 88, he's a rookie. You know, those numbers for a rookie are, are, are very good. And I think there's a lot to be positive about, but yeah, Eckler just straight screwed that one up. Just straight screwed it up. Um, it was catchable, whether he was thinking, overthinking it, he knew what was coming, he knew what the plan was. He wasn't focused on getting his hands on the ball. Uh, he screwed it up, and that, that was the end of the game for them. So, yeah, it did. It, it felt like just a lackluster kind of like, uh, uh. And I agree with you. I don't have any skin in that game at all. But, yeah, it was kind of rooting for them. It was kind of rooting for them in that moment. So, a real shame on that one. But, do you know what? The, the, this is the character building stuff. For Herbert, he's got to shake himself off and get ready for week four. I can only assume that he's going to be in there now. You know, obviously they're saying that Tyrod will come back when it's and it's Tyrod's team and all that jazz. But um, yeah, no, I, th- I think he's looked great. I, I really do think he's looked good. He he looks a little bit um, uncoordinated at times, yes. uh, a little bit gangly at times. But he'll grow into that. And and I I, I would be riding the the Herbert train just yeah. now. I, I don't I don't think you've got any benefit of going to. You know, T-Rod or whatever the hell he's called these days because he keeps trying to change the pronunciation <laughs> of his name. Uh, I don't think that there's any great benefit of going to that. Now, talking of quarterbacks, now you touched upon it. The Saints lost to the Packers. Let's just get that out there and get that out of the way. I don't think it was Drew Brees' fault. I think there was a bad fumble. I think, again, now we talked about it in the Rams' bills. There's decisions that you want and there's decisions you don't. To me, there was clear offensive pass interference on one of the the touchdowns. 
if that's your team, you want it. If it's not your team, you don't. So I'm not going to kick the referees for that. I, I just, you know, I rate it as a bad call, but I'm not going to throw a tantrum about it. Not this early in the season. <laughs> the Saints rarely start well. Oh, believe me, I'll go. I'll go. Uh, the Saints rarely start well. I'm not overly surprised at the 2-1. I think Breeze has had too much of a kicking, which I don't think is justified. You take anybody's top receiver out of there and Michael Thomas, and a lot of quarterbacks will struggle. But let's talk about the, the positive and that is Aaron Rodgers continues to want to spite the world by winning MVP. Now, I'm going to suggest something completely different. I think either the Republicans or the Democrats should dump Trump or Biden and get Rodgers in there uh, to run for president because he'll take on COVID and he'll beat it out of sheer and utter spite. <laughs> so I think that's the answer. I don't think you need any more presidential debates. Get Aaron Rodgers in there. Uh, get Russell Wilson as his VP pick because they're going to be the two that are going to fight for for the top orders. You know, Aaron Rodgers is impressive. Lazard was good. They, they, you know, he was missing a receiver as well. I get that. But coming together, they were a team on the up. The Saints were a team on the down. And I think that showed in the approach. As I say, I think the Saints will come again to lift a fight another day. But I'm going to make a bold prediction, Cameron, because I like bold predictions. Packers 10-0. Ten and all, oofts. Ten and all. There you Oofts. go. Ten and all. I need to go and look at their schedule to see if that uh, feels like that's a case or not. Um, so I think that yeah, I agree. I don't think it's Drew Brees's fault. I think though, genuinely, there's there's doubt in his mind, and I think that you could see it on a couple of plays where he was looking to go downfield, looked at the option decided to come out of it and ended up either getting sacked or having to chuck it away. And I think that there was a couple of times, and I, because there's such a lens on it, because everything that's been said about his arm, and there was a really interesting graphic that showed that this is nothing new. The Saints, on the average yards per pass, have always been at the low end. Drew Brees has not been a quarterback that's all about lobbing it down the field. That's not what he does. That's fine. Brady was the same. Brady wasn't a quarterback that was renowned for lobbing it down the length of the field. He didn't need to. And... The Saints didn't need to, but I think that there came a point in that game when the the offense started to stutter a little bit, uh, and it was Kamara and Latavius Murray. Um, you know, obviously great to see Sanders coming in with a couple of receptions, a couple of big plays, brilliant. Um, you're right, you know, they're missing Michael Thomas, obviously, yet on the other side that Aaron Rodgers is missing uh, Adams. I think Rodgers is better at finding chemistry with a, an array of, of receivers than Drew Brees is. And I think that that's, uh, to me, Aaron Rodgers is a better throwing quarterback. There's no two ways about that. I thought that Aaron Jones looked really good. The Packers just got stuff done. They just got stuff done. That offensive line in Green Bay is so impressive. They're able to create the opportunities against what is a really good Saints defense. Malcolm Jenkins, and the stats about Malcolm Jenkins, like he's not missed a snap since week 17 or 2017 or something mental like that. Nuts, absolutely nuts to think a player, especially in that banged up Eagles team. Uh, everyone was injured at some point, and so I'm convinced he's played through injury. Um, I, they were really impressive. I thought it was a highly entertaining game. I thought it was back and forth between the two. First time that Green Bay have won in New Orleans since 1995. So that's our... And you know the difference, though, and, 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 I, mean this, and I mean this really nicely, is... That was an easy game for them in many ways because there's not 80,000 yes. people going absolutely, absolutely. berserk yes. And I think, that, um, so the Saints are going to be one of the teams that suffer because of the, the lack of home noise. And I think that the Dome is no longer as much of a threat as it once was because of that fact. And you could see that Rodgers was getting hard count fouls. I think the Saints really need to sort out their discipline, and I think there's a problem there. That's a bigger issue. They did have they, they did have linemen out, though. Yeah. I mean, that, that you know, Onyemata wasn't playing. Now, he's a big player yeah. for the Saints. There was another late scratch as well. You know, Pete went down. Whether well, there's, there's a great debate in New Orleans how good Pete is, but, you know, he's still, he's still key. So I think there was enough mitigation for me for the Saints. But I know I know you were trying to look up the Packers' schedule. Let, let, let me read this out to you. I think they'll beat the Falcons. Yep. Now, the one that I think might trip them up comes when they go to Tampa Bay. But I'm going to, I'm going to say they win that. Then they're at the Texans, but they're at home to Minnesota. 
They're at San Francisco, which is always a tricky one. Um, and then they've got Jacksonville at home. I don't project their first loss until they go to Indianapolis um, in week 11. Now, we're just having a bit of fun with that because obviously they could lose at any time and Tom Brady might want to you know, take him down. But there is something driving Aaron Rodgers. Him and Matt LaFleur have gone from we don't like each other to, to almost drinking buddies. They're, they're almost like a bad country song. You know, they've gone from hating each other to, you know, best buddies. So there's there's an interesting dynamic there. Whether Matt LaFleur has decided to give Rodgers a little bit more influence in the play calling, whether Rodgers has decided that actually seen enough for Matt LaFleur to trust them because sometimes, you know, any of us in any walk of life, if you get a new boss, you're going to be wary of that individual because you don't know what they bring to the table. They don't know how, you don't know how they're going to interact with you. You don't know how they interact with others. So there's all, there's always a wariness. So, you know, I'm, I'm going out on a limb and saying that they'll go 10 and 0 and if they don't, hey, they don't, but <laughs> it's a bit yeah. of fun. Seattle, the, the other, you know, Russell Wilson, is looking like an utter machine at the moment. Now, Wilson, who's never received an MVP vote, people probably heard that by now, which which is quite a stunning fact. But, you know, it's too early to talk about MVPs and all that because, let's be honest, we've seen it before. You can get hurt. You know, you know, Rodgers goes down next week. There's no talk of MVP. If Russell Wilson goes down next week, Seattle, you know, go down with him. So there's a long way to go. But these are the teams that are making the runnings. And... Who wouldn't want to watch Russell Wilson? Now, you've got to question some of the stuff the Cowboys did, because again, for you know, I, I don't know, I, I don't know which of the Jones family it was this week. It might be the long lost cousin from down on the bay in Louisiana who submitted some plays up to the Cowboys. But again, you look and you think, I'm not convinced by Mike McCarthy's play calling. He's had a long time to get ready for that job, but it does give us a chance because we're in Seattle, and I know we'll mention it because he's. he's bound to win it and in fact I'm not going to name check him just now let's just say if you've got a chance to get into the end zone <laughs> get in the bloody end zone okay isn't he lucky it's... it didn't matter in the end eh? isn't he lucky it didn't matter in the end because it would have been so much more of a talking point had the result yeah. gone the other way around um, Russell Wilson 14 passing touchdowns in the first three weeks which is an NFL record you know and he's looked amazing yeah, the, and they're allowing him to throw the ball and he's got two receivers that can get down the field and catch it um, they can't necessarily hold on to it, but that's another point. Um, he's yes. got a tight end in Olsen that's a threat. He's got a number of players there that he can turn to uh, if he needs them. Chris Carson getting injured is a tough one. It looked like a bit of a nasty play by the um, by the, the Cowboys. Uh, we also skipped over the sort of nasty hit from the Eagles as well. I thought that there was a cheap shot on Burroughs that just, they absolutely rattled him, uh, which I thought was poor form, especially, you know, the Eagles were rightly uh, put out by the the, the Jadavian Clowney hit on Vents last year that sort of put him out injured in the playoffs. Rightly so. It was a horrible hit. Yes, the Eag the Eagles went back and did something not quite as bad, but very nasty to, to Burroughs as well. So I thought that was poor form from the Eagles on that one. Um, but the Cowboys just, you know, they kind of got themselves into the game. Dak Prescott played really well. Michael Gallup, I traded him away in fantasy football to Charles Patterson. Charles Patterson gave me Dallas Godert. <laughs> Dallas Godert went out injured. Michael Gallup had his best game of the season. Uh, um, that, you know... There's enough there that the Cowboys are going to be a threat, but they're going to if they're going to play like that, they need to they need to step up from that. They need to actually take the the game by the scruff of the neck. And I felt that they didn't do that when they had the opportunity to do it to Seattle. They did not get to Russell Wilson again. It's going to be a theme. It's going to be a theme when teams come up against the Cardinals as well. But they just didn't get to Wilson. If you don't get to Wilson, he's going to destroy you. It's going to absolutely destroy you. You are absolutely right. The Cowboys in the word threat, they've got to stop being a threat to themselves. Yeah. And if they can stop that, then there's certainly potential. That division's more than winnable. And you can get yourself on an even keel and actually you're going into the playoffs. You know, you could be in quite a good position. So, I mean, I wouldn't be overly worried as a Cowboys fan. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't be overly happy either. Uh, too many penalties as well and I'm trying to give teams the benefit of the doubt on penalties I think I mean Washington's Kerrigan who's one of the best players in the league got done for an early jump 
on a fourth and five or something, which allowed um, you know a first down. You know, even the best players are making some timing errors at the moment, and there is a rustiness. And I think you know we, we've got to we've got to appreciate that. So uh, a couple of other games just just to mention, I mean, we've got to give some love to the Lions for winning in Arizona. I mean that that came as a surprise. No surprise, perhaps, that Tampa Bay beat beat Denver. But what did you make of the Lions? I thought the Lions showed a lot of character. I think having Kenny Galladay back for them was big. They've obviously missed him. Um, they were a threat on offense. Uh, they did a good job of restricting the the Cardinals. Um, although once again, DeAndre Hopkins had an absolute day. Uh, and again, I know that we we've we've discussed this repeatedly on this podcast, but I still can't. I, th- I feel like with each passing game, it only invalidates any argument from the Texans that um, you know that oh, he's replaceable. He's not. They gave away an absolute start. Now, fine, they might not have been able to afford on whatever. Say what you got to say. One, they got hit. The Cardinals got him for an absolute steal, an absolute steal, but one of the bargains of the century. Um, and two, he is a class act. He's one of the best in the league. I think he's top two uh, wide receiver in the league. Um, uh, he could actually be number one outright, to be fair. But um, I thought the lines very impressive, showed a lot of character, did what they needed to do. They get their first win, so well done them. Um, the the Buccaneers, no major surprise. The Broncos are so banged up. I thought Mike Evans' stat line was hilarious. Two receptions, two yards, two touchdowns. Um, <laughs> I think that said everything. I have... That's efficiency yeah, for totally. you, isn't it? That's just, yeah, I have him in yeah. one of my fantasy leagues, and he didn't do an awful lot, but he did what he needed to do, and that's all that mattered. So that was fine. Um, the other games that we'll skip over as well, the Texans we touched on there, 0-3 to start the season. Showed a bit more character against the Steelers. I thought that you know that was a close game, closer than I thought it was going to be. Still got to be worried for the Texans. They've got some tough divisional games to come up. Two against the Titans, two against the Colts. They'll probably beat the Jags, but that's fine. The, the, it's, the There's definitely a lot of issues there for the Texans. They come up against the Vikings, I think, next. Um, and, you know, the Vikings have shown that they've got a little bit of something about them. We, we come on to that. You know, okay, fine, the Vikings are 0-3, but 31-30 against the Titans. The Vikings, Justin Jefferson, LSU... Um, obviously, clearly a weapon. Dalvin Cook is definitely a contender. That Vulcan, the, the Falcons, that Vikings defense is disappointing so far. I think that's something that they got to address. But you know, Tennessee three and zero start for the first time since two thousand and eight. So well done them. Then the only other game that we've not really talked about is the Browns uh, versus the football team. Uh, the Browns thirty plus points for the two straight games, first time since two thousand and ten. So happy days for the Browns on that one. They showed character. It looked like a bit of a worry at the beginning when. Washington went ahead early, and I thought, oh, come on here. But questions over Dwayne Haskins. And I wonder whether we'll see Alex Smith back under centre uh, this season. Uh, I think it's going to be far too early to be seen him anytime soon. But as the season goes on, we could well see Alex Smith back in charge of this uh, offence. Um, although, good God. I think I'll... Dwayne Haskins will get worn down slightly, I yeah. think. And I think they'll just bring him in for relief before we talk about the the, the sort of the, the final game uh, just just a wee bit of a mention new england beating uh, the raiders the raiders dropping and cam newton again i don't know who sells him his clothes <laughs> but oh my god i mean that that hat was just as i say i'm a fan of dressing well you know i'll buy a sharp suit like the next guy but i'm sorry somebody's got to tell cam actually cam you look like an arse you know, he clearly doesn't I'm sorry, think so. Mate. I see. I yes, but I, yeah. Emperor, Emperor's new clothes. Who's going to tell him? <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I, I'd like to think. You know, if we were going on a night out and you turned up in a suit like that, that I'd have the nerve <laughs> to test our friendship by saying, "Cameron, get back in the house and go and put on a proper suit." Okay. Yeah. Uh, it, it's yeah. I mean, each to their own. But with that kind of money. He could. Dri- uh, anyway, we're, we're not a fashion no, podcast. Just, fashion is a young man's we'll game. I, I'm not playing it. I'll be perfectly honest. I, for anyone that didn't get the reference to the joke that we put on Twitter about 76 trombones, he, he was dressed like Harold Hill from The Music Man. If you're not familiar with the musical, go and Google The Music Man Harold Hill. You'll see what we were talking about. Um, yeah. 
Uh, do you know what? They showed character. Uh, a lot of running. Rex Burkhead, three touchdowns. <laughs> you know, Rex Burkhead, every waiver wire pickup number one this week. Rex Burkhead will have back to his 10 yards off four carries next week and absolutely nothing. So that, <laughs> that'll be back to that. Um, but impressive from the, the Patriots. Disappointing from the Raiders. You know, there was we were getting a bit of hassle, Paul, that the Raiders were not in our power rankings. We're doing our top tens. Yep. I was, I did say to someone, I can't remember who I said it to, but at one point I was like, if the Raiders come back and now win this game when they were down, I was like, they will absolutely be in my top 10. Didn't happen. They won't be in my top 10. Uh, this week, <laughs> spoiler alert, um, I think that, you know, there's there's a lot there still to prove, but they have surprised me greatly. And I still apologize for saying they're bereft of talent. They are not bereft of talent. The talent just isn't good enough for them to end up on a winning season this season. Ain't gonna happen. Um... But that leaves us with one big game to talk about at the end, uh, as the two greatest ever came head-to-head, as Butker versus Tucker, um, the two most accurate (laughs) kickers in NFL history. And by highlighting that, we cursed Butker, who had an absolute shambles of a night as well, (laughs) missing extra points and everything. I was like, oh, come on. Justin Tucker, clear king of the kicking world when it comes to the NFL. But... Paul, what were your thoughts on the Monday Night Football big game? You know, top two in the AFC coming head to head. Was it just me or did the Chiefs look like they wanted it more? Oh, substantially. You, you know, and and you know that can be the kind of trite thing that somebody comes out with. How, how can you say they wanted it more? Well, you just sometimes look at the energy they come, the play calling, the crispness of it all. You know, Baltimore, I mean, let, let's not be too harsh on, on Baltimore. I mean, we can pick on one or two other fans quite happily, but let's not be too harsh on Baltimore themselves. They, they didn't have the best of nights, but, you know, you play that game again on Monday night, you know, and you said to me, would you back the Ravens? Yeah, I would back the Ravens because they're a good, solid, well-coached football team. On another night, they will play better. Uh, they just ran into Mahomes on form, outperformed Jackson. But I don't think there's, you know, I've, I've seen stuff on social media, Cam, you know, Baltimore can't handle the big game. I mean, that's just nonsense. You know, they've handled enough big games over the last couple of years. Um, so none of that. I, th- I think... A little bit like the Saints-Packers, the home team missed having a full stadium. The home team, if they cleaned up their act a little bit more, you know, and kept possession when they should have done, could could easily have gone on and done an awful lot better. And I'm not convinced, you know, even just with those two things that the Ravens would have won at the weekend. But, you know, if, if they meet again, you know, in Baltimore with a full house, with a playoff position on the line, I mean, I wouldn't be saying, well, it's Casey's all day long. Um, you know, it was an intriguing game. It was an interesting game. I would have liked it to see it a little bit closer, but I, I don't think we should overreact either way. No, and I agree. I think that's the biggest sentiment that I take away from this. Let's not overreact here. I'm actually going to use Gordon's words against him because, again, when we put out our power rankings, he replied saying, I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. <laughs> and that's how I felt after watching this game. I wasn't angry. I was just disappointed. I was really looking forward to this. I thought this was going to be the Chiefs-Rams game of 2018. Um, And I thought that we were going to come out of this having had an absolute thrilling end-to-end. I thought that the Ravens were going to really test that Chiefs defense and show them that, you know, uh, Lamar Jackson was capable of leading his team in a game against one of the best teams in the AFC because they're going to have to go through Kansas City for years to come. You know, let's just touch on Mahomes, quickest quarterback ever to 10,000 passing yards in history. Um, He's going to go on and set all kinds of records. You know, we talk about Brady and Breeze and all of these guys, you know, Peyton Manning and all the stats that are there. And Mahomes, is, if he stays fit, he's going to destroy all of them. The only one that potentially might not be beaten is the, the six rings that Brady's got. That's a, that's a tough stat to beat. But I genuinely think he's going, to, he's going to lead this Kansas City Chiefs team to absolute great things. Uh, and do you know what? Prediction for you now. See, in four years' time, we're going to be on this podcast moaning about the fact that Mahomes is winning again and that nobody's getting to him and that it's getting boring. And <laughs> that's where it's going to be. Um, I thought that this was going to be the game that really set this up as this is the top two teams in, in the NFL and they're both in the AFC. 
And based on this, the Ravens aren't for me. They're not in that bracket. They're they're not for me a, a contender right now in this current form based on that to actually win a Super Bowl. What they are in is they're probably the best of the running pack now. It's not the Chiefs and the Ravens than everyone else. It's the Chiefs than everyone else, of which the Ravens are the top of that group in a second tier. They're not that top tier. Um, I think if you look at it on the NFC side, the two top tier teams are definitely the Seahawks for me are number one. And then it's the Packers after that uh, and the reason that I've got the Seahawks higher is just because of the way that they're performing and I think that the Seahawks have beaten um, better teams so far um, so it's just disappointing you know Lamar Jackson 15 for 28 97 yards and one touchdown now, the receivers didn't do him any favours either. But I thought there was a couple of those ones where the ball was just behind his guy or he was thrown into coverage uh, where the, it wasn't a clear thing. Whereas over the last couple of weeks, it's felt like the Ravens have been able to get great separation. And from those tight ends, they've been able to get them in space where the tight ends have been able to easily catch the ball. You can get away with a pass that maybe isn't quite on the money if you're the only guy standing there. If you suddenly got pressure from what is a really fast-paced defense from Kansas City, then immediately that's a, a much harder catch to make. And if that ball's not absolutely pinpoint, then you're going to struggle with it. I think that it's a combination of the two things. I think that Jackson just wasn't it wasn't on his day. I think the hype possibly got to him. And when they go behind, they do seem to struggle. You know, it was the first time this season they'd been behind. They'd been they're cruising when they're ahead. They're brilliant. They can play the clock. They can grind you down. Um, when the team on the other side's desperate to get the ball back, that's when the Ravens are at their best. When the team on the other side isn't necessarily super desperate to get the ball back, and they can sit and play and you know cover up and do what they need to do, put pressure on Jackson when they need to, or step back off him when they when they can. That's where I think Jackson struggles with when he's up against a defense that's um, playing to just stop him scoring not necessarily to desperately get that ball back because you're chasing the game. That seems to be that spot where he's maybe not as sure of himself. He's maybe in a little bit of doubt, and I think that's where they fell off. So, yeah, not angry. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> anyway, right, let's go on to the awards. Good grief, we've been chatting for ages and we've not even got to the awards. So let's rattle through these. Um, a couple of people have got in touch, and I think that there's a, a number of different people that can be nominated for some of these things, but... We'll go through, right, very quickly, Stephen Lynn, his belter, Aaron Rodgers. Um, Bobak for him could easily be D DJ Metcalf, but I would go with Kareem Hunt for that last run with negative yards, turning their Nessie bet into uh, from a winner to a loser. Ah, that's a very personal one. It's got to be D DJ Metcalf, but that's a spoiler, right? Okay, Lauren Callahan, belter, Pat Mahomes and Russell Wilson, both playing unstoppable football. Baufin, the Eagles, putting in the final seconds of overtime, and the Falcons, is Dan Quinn or Adam Gase the first to be fired? Bob Ag, DK Metcalf. I wonder if the Dallas D-line coach Leon Lett had a laugh with him post-game. Uh, I'm not sure that DK Metcalf would be laughing about it. But anyway, uh, Ross Black, his belter, Russell Wilson. He had a game again. Uh, the only bright spot, a Dallas defeat. Uh, and the otherwise rotten night for the Eagles fans. Bowfin for him, the Falcons again. Bob Ag, he wasn't sure he could pick one this week. Ross, it was easy. It's DJ Metcalf. DJ? DK Metcalf. DJ Metcalf. <laughs> that's his, DJ that's Metcalf his, uh, might have caught the thing and yeah. gone into the end zone. <laughs> that's because Stephen put that in the first one and I'm just reading it out as it came. Jeez. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, Shawnee B, belter for him. Justin Jefferson, huge performance. Absolutely. Bowfin, still the Jets. Uh, ball bag. Benching Trubisky after a 2-0 start. Ah, I tell you what, I no, thought it was no, the right I'm, call. I'm not having that. Not having that. It was that, the right that, call. That. Um, Derek, he got in touch. Belter, Russell Wilson. Guys playing lights out MVP level. Baufin, the New York Jets. But they can remain Baufin as I've got £150 on them to get the first pick in next year's draft. <laughs> ah, there so we go. Be, Comes yeah, out He'll now. be hoping that Gase doesn't get sacked. Uh, Bob Ag, uh, Tristan Hill of the Cowboys for his tackle on Chris Carson, which we touched about there. Polly, Belter, Mahomes and Wilson, both superb. Baufin, the Packers attempting to play defence on Kamara's 53-yard touchdown. Yes, that was hilarious. That was some bad tackling right there. Uh Bob Ag going to defend a fellow NFC South team by nominating everyone writing off the Saints after three weeks. Some of the power rankings today are laughable ball baggery. Yeah, the Saints might, and the spoiler alert, they're going to drop a couple of places in my power rankings. They ain't dropping far. 
They ain't dropping far. <laughs> uh, Mick McGovern, Belter, Russell Wilson, absolutely bowfin. Can I pick the onside kick from week two again? That's how bad that was. <laughs> <laughs> and Bob Agus, Doug Peterson, uh, play calling and punt decision. Zero Duck Farty, uh, Belter was 303-pound lineman Eric McCoy's Usain Bolt impression as he outsprints Alvin Kamara to lay down the block for Kamara's 52-yard touchdown for the Saints. Again, absolutely brown from him. The dedication, the determination on his face, the change of pace. Ah, it was glorious to see. Uh, Baufin, the Falcons once again. Um, once again, break the ESPN win probability computer. And yeah, DK Metcalf's... Slow stroll touchdown goes horribly, horribly wrong. Uh, Belter, Darren Barry, uh, Deverney's 93-yarder against Kansas City. The one highlight, I think, for the, the Ravens, mm. certainly on special teams there. Baufin gets the Falcons, Bob back, DK Metcalf. Uh, last two, James McNiven. Belter, Bears comeback is unlikely win at the Falcons as a Bears fan. Even I'm asking, how are we 3-0? and Baufin, see you above. Falcons, second week in a row. Their confidence must be in the gutter. And... Bob Ag. Didn't witness much Bob Agri in week three. Again, clearly didn't see the Seahawks game. Uh, LJ, last one, Belter. Chiefs offensive tackle, Eric Fisher, becoming the first overall pick since 1996, number one pick to catch a touchdown. On yourself, big fella. Eric Fisher was the first player picked in the first draft I sat up and watched from start to finish. Bowfin, the New York Jets. And Bob Ag. Malik Jackson's cheap hit on Burroughs. Uh, no need to intentionally hurt another player, especially after week two's injuries. Paul, how do you see it going? Who's your belter? I agree. I agree with Dave. I think the belter. I mean, lots of people nominating Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes. I, I get that, but you would expect that from them coming off the bench and winning the game. Nick Foles bears for me definite definite belter. Ball back, yeah, it's Metcalf getting the damn ends on. Stop being an idiot and Bowfin. Falcons. It's got to be the Falcons. Can't be anybody else. That is horrible. And again, their stadium, which is one of the nicest in the whole world, I'm desperate to go and see it. Looks shocking on television. Do something about that, Atlanta. It looks awful. But yeah, I mean that, that's the thing. I think it's fairly easy. But the Metcalf one. I mean, I, I watched a baseball playoff game last night, Cameron. You know, the the Astros played the Twins, one each, top of the ninth, two outs. Uh, a picture I, I really like was on the mound, in deep trouble, gets himself out of it, gets a ground ball. The shortstop, Polanco, picks it up. And instead of just taking his time and throwing it out, you know, out at second, picks it up and tries to be too fancy, you know, just... And you think... And that cost him because he, he made a mistake by throwing it wide. Metcalf's the same. Go back to the basics. Just do what you're paid to do. And I, I'm a big believer in that in sports. Get in the end, damn end zone and celebrate. It's as bad as the rugby guy, I think, last season, two seasons ago, who tried to stroll around and got absolutely moolered uh, to be put out of out of bounds. Uh, just do it and then celebrate. You know, have a stupid dance, have a silly wave, do whatever you want. Hide a phone in a post and bring it out. <laughs> I'll add a like to do that. <laughs> no, you're not allowed to do it, but you should st- If you're going to be a ball bag, do something like that yep. once the points are yep. in the bag and it doesn't affect your teammates. What about you? What were your what were so your So I three? think as ball bag as that is, you gotta give credit to the, the Cowboys uh, defender for coming in and knocking it away. Yeah, you know, yeah. absolutely. But absolutely. I'm actually gonna agree with Zero Dark Forty on here. Eric McCoy's Usain Bolt impression as he got downfield <laughs> and made the block for Kamara. Kamara's run was tremendous, making defenders miss. The determination and the awareness from the offensive lineman to go and do that. I, I genuinely thought, as a single play, was absolutely brilliant to see. I thought it was tremendous. Special mention for me goes to Nick Mullins. I think the Nick Mullins for a backup quarterback has come in. Everyone writing off the Niners, including me, because we had lost the best player at pretty much every position. And still we managed to go into the MetLife again and take up more injuries and still come away with a win. There was only two teams scored more points than the Niners this weekend, um, which is really impressive performance for him. He's got a tough Tough game against the Eagles now, but we'll see how he gets on there. Um, but no, for me, uh, Eric McCoy gets that one because I just think it was absolutely brilliant. Bowfin has to be the Falcons. I think that the Giants and the Jets were absolutely Bowfin, but that's kind of become, yeah, it's not a surprise. The manner in which the Falcons have lost two weeks in a row and then the way in which they've done it is absolutely 
Bowfin. Um, I know. Anyway, I already gave Sam Darnold my Herkle Durkle one uh, one week award for sleeping <laughs> in too much. Um, and then Bob Ag is DK Metcalf. Uh, me for calling him DJ Metcalf earlier, but um, DK Metcalf absolutely just just premature joculation. That's what that's called, and I think it's the perfect <laughs> term for it. Um, it just oh, far too cocky strolling in. <laughs> Who's laughing now? And you love to see it. Do you know what? See his fans of the sport. Seahawks fans are gutted. I know everyone else is loving laughing at it. That's exactly what we like to see, that kind of nonsense. So, yeah, brilliant, 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 brilliant. Okay, uh, we've been chatting for an hour, so on to week four. What are your headlines out of this week, Paul? There's some interesting stories coming out of some of the games. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm a little bit disappointed with the primetime games, I have to say, but the selections are made so far in advance. Broncos Jets now has the Adam Gase possibility. I think I'm intrigued by the Colts Bears. I want to see how real the Bears are. Uh, I think that's going to be a really interesting game. Uh, Browns Cowboys got a nice edge to it now as well. I think Saints Lions, credit Lions for last week for coming back. The 0 threes Vikings Texans, I'll be prepared to cook whoever doesn't win that one next week. Uh, you know, th- th- there are some interesting games. Steelers-Titans looks a goodie. Um, I think that will tell you a lot about both of those teams as well. Uh, the Patriots-Chiefs, you would normally say, yeah, that's really tasty, but it's got a different edge to it because of, because of Cam Newton. Um, Eagles-49ers is an interesting game, but not as interesting as perhaps it would have been. But the Eagles have got to win it to save their season. Uh, I mean, I'll put it to you. It's an interesting point that the 49ers this year could actually get more wins in MetLife Stadium than their own stadium <laughs> if they continue to be injured. So you, you've got to think of that. And and in theory, the Monday night football game stinks. Yeah. You know, the Packers and the Falcons. But that's in theory. A Matt Ryan-led team still should be able to score yeah. points. So... It's not the gimme that, that, that it might appear. What, what's taking your fans? So it, it's interesting you talk about the Falcons Packers. Yeah, it stinks on the performances so far, but actually the Falcons are so capable of scoring that this could be a proper ding-dong. This could be more of a end-to-end ding-dong than the Saints Packers was, which I expected to be much more free scoring. I think the Patriots Chiefs for me is a really interesting one because this is going to be the, for me, the first real big test that the Patriots are going to face under Cam Newton. They, fine, they faced the Seahawks, but they lost that one. So, and, and when I say real big test, they're coming up against Mahomes. Uh, they're coming up against a defense that is, uh, the Chiefs are better than the Seahawks for me, I think. Um, uh, and I think this is really interesting to see if the Patriots can do anything to knock Mahomes out of his groove because nobody's done it yet this season. Um, you know, the char- the Chargers sort of did, but didn't really, let's be honest. You know, it was closer than we expected, but Mahomes was still able to do what he needed to do. Bills, Raiders is interesting to see, you know, can the Bills go 4-0? Uh, are the Raiders actually legit or not? The, the Giants-Rams, to me, feels like uh, a bit of a one-sided one. Colts-Bears, like you, I agree with. I actually think Jags-Bengals is really interesting because this is Minshew versus Burroughs, you know, and it's not been it's not been great, but it's not been utterly honking either from either team. Yeah. And I think that that's where it's interesting to see how do they do when they come up against each other. The the Jaguars will get the opportunity to to do some scoring against the Bengals, but I think that the Bengals under Burroughs will definitely be able to do something against the Jaguars as well. So fascinating there. Uh, Saints at Lions. I guess interesting because the Saints are now one and two, as are the Lions. But I mean, on paper, this feels this feels like a, a a win for the Saints. If the Saints lose this, and if the Saints do go to one and three, it's interesting because of the narrative that will come out of the back of that. Because to, to go to Detroit and lose would definitely be a right. That's that's three defeats, and that's two games you should have won. You can say the Packers at home, fine, you know, they managed to get a win over us. But you go to Detroit and lose, then that's that's where there'll start to be questions. Um, I think the Chargers face a really tough game against the Buccaneers as well. I think that that's a, a feel for Justin Herbert. That could be a really tough afternoon for him there. And at time of recording, obviously, the Titans have had a couple of uh, positive COVID tests. So we'll, we'll wait and see how that goes. The NFL, though, I mean, I think we've got to give them a great deal of credit. They've done a hell of a lot of work regarding COVID. And, you know, to have a couple of tests coming in is not unsurprising. You know, 
you know, one team out of 32. Be interesting to see. I hope they get to play the game as long as everybody's safe and okay. Um, you know, the NFL is one of these rare, rare birds. You cannot really afford for games to be to be cancelled because you can't you can't make them up. So I think they'll do everything they can to make that one happen. And I say it's a particularly tasty game as well, as far as I'm concerned. I do wonder whether they'll flex it to the Monday and give them an extra day. That I think as the week goes on, that would be maybe the scenario I see. The other thing that they could do is they could flex it to the Tuesday. Uh, I know they don't necessarily have the slot for it, but I, you know, there's not really an awful lot else going on. But I mean, I know that we've got MLB uh, and NBA playoffs, uh, you know, well underway now. Um, but I, I wonder whether that's an option that they might look at just to make sure that they get it played. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head what the bye weeks are for those two teams, so it's it'll be interesting to see if they can squeeze that in and not have any further impact on the rest. But you've also got the Vikings are impacted by this as well, and they've stopped people going to their facility just to be extra safe. Um, uh, yeah, it will be. I, I think they're, they're quite right to be cautious, but I think you know they, they will try and get these games in. Uh, as you say, you're going to Monday. It's not a bad idea. You could play at five o'clock on a Monday, you know, before the the, the main game comes on. So I think that there are ways and means of doing it. Uh, if I remember correctly, they don't have the same bye week, so you, you don't really want to go down that route. Uh, but I think it, it's quite an interesting one. And, and again. You know, they've had good use of technology. They've had good use of, you know, making sure that people are being tested and tested regularly. So I think as long as there's they perceive the risk to be minimal, then I, I think we will see it going Yeah, ahead. Steelers on by week eight, Titans on by week seven. So that doesn't line up yeah. nicely. But anyway, okay. Lots to look forward to, absolutely. So before we go, though, we need to just give a quick update on our Bonnie Sauce Pick'em competition. So the Bonnie Sauce NFL Scotland Pick'em competition, can you be the pick king or queen of Scotland? Quick update on that. I didn't have a very good week myself. Uh, I got 11 week one, 14 week two. I got seven in week three. Um, some funny results coming up. So I'm currently sitting in 60th place. Not great. Uh, but keep having commit dreams up there on his own with a total of 39. Uh, so congratulations to you, Delboy. And then Alex McNiven in number two uh, with 38. Then we've got three teams uh, on 37. We've got Scottish Manster 54. We've got Buddy Brilliant and the first ever King of Pick King of Scotland, Jambo Jap. So congratulations to all of those guys. Uh, there's a whole lot of people sitting in sixth uh, on 36. Uh, people sitting in there on 35, and there's me stuck on 32. How are you doing, Paul? I can't find you in the list. Uh, I'm stuck. I'm stuck on 31, oh, unfortunately. So I'm just one one pick behind yeah. you. One pick behind you. You actually lost ground because I I scored nine Oofed. this week. So I'm Damn gaining. It. Damn it. I'll have to fix that this week. Uh, but if you've not joined the. Uh, Bonnie Sauce Company Pick'em, you can still do so. Check out our Twitter feed. Uh, check out the NFL Scotland website. Uh, and all the details are there. Uh, we've got over 200 people in there. Uh, and it's growing all the time, which is great. So, you know, do join up. Uh, and I think that is the full-time whistle then for episode 117. Share your thoughts on this episode via Twitter, at Scotland NFL, and on Facebook by searching for NFL Scotland. Thank you for taking time to listen. Keep those award nominations coming. Check out our NFL Scotland website. We'll be back next week to pick apart all the pieces from week four. But until then, enjoy your football. Bye for now. Bye for now.